Hi, this is Erica Monique, and I am the host and creator of Natural Soul Conversations, the platform for people that are black persuasion, that are melanated, however you want to call it. You know, right now we call ourselves black, African-Americans, Afro-Americans, a black first, whatever. If you look like us, this is the place for us, all right? We're going to talk about everything from pop culture to politics, science, finance, health, education, and you know we're going to talk about sticky relationships. Whatever it is, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to do it as a family. And you know, just like with our families, we might argue, we might not disagree, but we're going to do it as a family. We're going to keep it cute, and we're going to respect each other. So sit back, relax, and Let's have that conversation. Welcome back to Natural Soul Conversations. I am your host, Erica Monique, and we are speaking with Mr. Ed Brown again about his book. Let me get that title correctly, because, you know, it's uh, Memoirs. Is it what? what give me the, the title, the exact title, because I'm in the book, but I got to go all the way to the beginning uh, and you have a long title. Here we go. Memoirs of a Black Southern Lawyer. This is volume one. And, you know, we had such a great conversation the first time that I invited him to come back because I want to uh, really dive into some of these chapters uh, and just really get into the meat of it. And so uh, we're going to discuss a couple of chapters that Mr. Brown suggested. Um, we may just get to one because I really do want to really dive in and really um, just do a real deep dive with it and, and just get you guys ready to read this book because it is awesome. So you suggested, Mr. Brown, that we discuss chapters six, chapters uh, seven, and chapters 10 and um, chapters six, six is about uh, the Orange County Memorial Hospital. Right. Yeah. Tell us. Some, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that, about that particular case. Well, the, the, the chapter is um, somewhat, it belies somewhat the, the title mm-hmm. of the book because the book says memoirs of a black Southern lawyer. Um, but that does not mean that I've only represented individuals in the South. Uh, Orange Memorial Hospital mm-hmm. is located in Orange, New Jersey. Okay. And the hospital was uh, located in the middle of black the black community. Mm-hmm. 95% of its clientele African-American, 95% of its administrative staff were uh, Caucasian. Mm -hmm. In this particular event, uh, I was asked by two doctors for some casual advice initially, and the, the setting was that the CEO of the hospital, a Caucasian man, and as I would say, late 50s, mm-hmm. wanted to um, bring in a white doctor from Missouri to be to be the chairman of the OBGYN division. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, 
prior to that, they had a rotating chairmanship, and all of the chairmen were, all of those rotating chairmen were black, mm-hmm. were black doctors. They were very well lettered. They were board certified. So this uh, CEO decided he wanted someone permanent. Well, you would tend to think that that had no major complaints or no complaints at all about the operation of the OBGYN clinic and our division. Mm-hmm. So you would have a chairman that would be picked from that pool because I think at that point, there were probably about six or seven of, of these black doctors that had rotated in and out of the chairmanship. Right. But he decided he wanted to do something else. He wanted uh, um, 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 this Caucasian doctor from Missouri mm-hmm. who had no no experience in OBGYN. Mm-hmm. I think the substance of his administrative experience in medicine was that he ran a clinic, and it had nothing to do with OBGYN, mm-hmm. uh, obstetrics and gynecology. And so um, he... This, uh, the, the chairman of the board, I'm sorry, the CEO, said that, well, he was going to choose this this white guy. And, and these black doctors said, no, he, we're not going to allow that. Mm-hmm. And so they asked me to intercede to try to negotiate some kind of resolution to this um, matter mm-hmm. on behalf of those doctors. And, um, you know, it... Uh, there was nothing legally I could do in terms of bringing a lawsuit to make him choose one of those black doctors. That was not in the cards. Mm-hmm. I mean, after all, he was he was the CEO, and he pretty much ran the hospital with an iron fist. Mm. So we talked um, on a number of occasions, and in, in the end, that is the end of our talking, trying to resolve this, he became very obstinate, and his true colors began to show. And he said, you know, I'm the CEO, and I'll do damn well what I please. Well, mm. he was correct in that regard, because there was nothing I could do in terms of bringing legal action to make him change his mind. Mm-hmm. So I, I I consulted with my clients again, and I said, look, we are at an, I'm at an impasse with this man, so here's what I'm going to advise you to do. Let's go back to what we have always done in terms of bringing about change. Let's start a picket line. Mm. And that's what they did. Now, they started these two black doctors, both of them gynecologists. Uh, they started picketing outside of the hospital um, for about an how- a hour a day during lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And the second day, about 15 citizens joined them on the picket line. And the third day, you had about 30. Mm. And it mushroomed. Mm-hmm. And, and these, these, this picket line, these picketers, gained access to the news media. The news media became involved. And then by the end of the... 15th day, you had 175 people out there a day. If, 
and then the black churches in that area became mm-hmm. involved, mm-hmm. and they just they picketed every day. Wow! Now, all of these doctors had what are called admitting privileges. Mm-hmm. Admitting privileges are, are privileges where the doctor who is rendering the service to the patient decides where he wants the patient to go to be hospitalized if hospitalization is necessary. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if you're going to have a baby, you know, hospitalization is mandatory. And you, uh, that, that um, OBGYN division was the prime moneymaker for that hospital. I think you had a total of about 15 or 20 black OBGYNs mm-hmm. that admitted patients to that hospital. But that was not the only hospital that they had admitting privileges to, and that was their that was their leverage. Right. Um, so what what um, what what happened was this this CEO just simply refused to relent, mm. and the doctors over a period of about three to four months slowly and surely stopped admitting their patients those black doctors stopped admitting their patients to that hospital for services. Mm-hmm. Um, and as that occurred, the chairman of the board of the um, hospital, not the CEO, the chairman of the board, the board, the, the board was pretty much all white. Mm-hmm. Um, they became very, very concerned because when the doctors stop admitting the patients, then the bottom line drops. You know, Absolutely. the profit margins drop. Absolutely. And um, the economics became very, very bad. And um, after about six months, uh, they fired, the board fired the CEO right. because he was so obstinate. His, and all he had to do was just rotate another one of those. Uh, black doctors into the chairmanship like they had been doing in the past. Right. And that that led me to conclude that entire phenomenon led me to conclude that, you know, racism doesn't stop at the Mason-Dixon line. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as Southern racism or Northern racism. This is, that was America. This is America. Racism is America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and because uh, this, this CEO simply did not use common sense. Uh, the hospital never recovered from that. Mm. They changed. They fired him. They got a management company in, and the management company tried to rehabilitate the hospital's uh, image with the community. But by that time, it was so badly damaged. Uh, the hospital was, you know, in, in a financial uh, freefall. Mm-hmm. Freefall, so it it just it just sunk, yeah. and um, after about two years to two to three years, the hospital closed. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go to YouTube, you can see the interior of that hospital on YouTube. It looked like a bombed out factory. Wow! Um, the doctors, the doctors, all of the doctors, just said, "Look, we are going to stop admitting our patients." to this hospital. Mm-hmm. A hospital can't survive without that. Right. And um, that's what these doctors did. And I, I was, I don't want to say that I was glad that they 
to be a part of the hospital de um, demise coming about, but I was glad to be a part of directing these doctors to the one thing that everybody in a capitalistic structure <laughs> in America knows, and that's money, <laughs> money talks. <laughs> and once yes. they decided, once these doctors decided that they were not going to admit or they stopped admitting their patients for hospitalization to this hospital, the hospital died. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I do want to, let me ask, this, this is a question that this was just burning, you know, in my mm -hmm. soul almost. So it, wasn't it possible that he violated some kind of, I don't know, um, maybe not a labor law, but um, I mean, aren't there even still, even in that, that was a, a for-profit, so it was a public um no, I, I I I don't I don't I don't think it was for profit. Okay. Um, but well, no, back up. I, I think it, yeah, it was for profit. But no, he he didn't violate. Uh, based on my research, mm -hmm. I knew there was no no labor law that he violated in in not in not making one of or not uh, having one of these black doctors who. And already rotated into the chairmanship to mm -hmm. become the chairman again, mm -hmm. and, and 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 the thing that was so 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 glaring about this, the job, and this was back in the eight, back in the late early nineties, late eighties, the mm -hmm. job was paying three hundred fifty thousand mm. dollars, you know, mm -hmm. and he he just didn't. I mean, he did not want any more black doctors to be the yeah. chairman of the OBGYN division, notwithstanding the fact that 95% of the people who get, who of the women that had the gay birth year were black. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess what I was, because, okay. Yeah. They can't, he can't be forced, but I mean, he didn't even, they, they didn't make the, the position uh, publicly known, at least with the doctor. I mean, so what, aren't they supposed to do that? Well, not not necessarily. I mean, mm. you know, he 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 could advertise the position, mm -hmm. and and um, I don't I can't remember whether whether he did or not. But even if he did, mm -hmm. his choice was already made. Yeah, yeah, that's the bottom line. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was. But here's and the, um, you know that. Go ahead, here's the thing, though. Um, you know, to him, and this is. Okay, so what I do know uh, when you have like a board, because basically they are board of di directors, and right. um, they they knew what he was up to, and they allowed it to go as long as you know to go that long. So they, but they had to address it because they are, I don't know what the term is, but they are responsible for making sure that that hospital runs efficiently and it runs at a profit profit or whatever but they were just as as they were just as responsible because they knew that he was failing in his duty to even just address the issue in a in a professional manner you understand what i'm saying so yeah absolutely he, yeah absolutely. And, and so but they had to get rid of him you know because of the position that he was taking you know I mean, it was nothing yeah. else they could do, but they were just as they were just as guilty. And honestly, 
you know, it's really sad for that community, but maybe the hospital needed to shut down because they allowed it to go to uh, uh, to a point to where there was no recovery is is what I'm saying. Yeah. So even right. in that sense, they for good they didn't even really address the 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 revenue part until they were forced to to address it. So it's and I find that and the only reason why I say that cuz I find that to be a um like a running theme what a lot of this uh, a lot of these situations where you have white people um that have some kind of position or they're holding on to something or whatever. And it makes a financial sense to move in a different direction uh, as far as, let's say, um, allowing somebody of color, black to have a position or to purchase something or to whatever. And they will hold on to it because at, at the end of the day, what it seems like to me is they are they want to preserve the power structure and it doesn't matter if it's if it's 95%. They want to make sure they want to move towards 100%. And to have that one doctor that's opening the door for them to decrease you understand what I'm saying to decrease in the yeah. amount of uh power that they hold that that they're carrying. Right. So it it's you know it only comes down to money when you know, all else fails. <laughs> Their objective yeah, it, is to keep right. the the control, the power, and that's. And I hate right. to go off on a tangent, but it, it. I don't know if you you heard, but it was um, it was during one of the speeches where it wasn't even a speech, but it was a leaked conversation, uh, with President Biden and some of the NAACP. I don't know if it was them, but I know that um, Al Sharpton was there. Some other uh, civic leaders were there and he was speaking on numbers. And he says something like, and this is a poor paraphrase, but he says something like um, the, the white population is dwindling and the, the population or the demographic of, you know, those of color, primarily Latin, is increasing and black people are going to have to deal with the Latin people because they are increasing in number. They're talking about numbers. And, you know, I'm thinking, OK, wait a minute, we're in 2021. You know, we have all these people that are saying or they are trying to get us to believe that we are post race racism or whatever. But here we have somebody who's sitting in the highest position in the land and he's talking numbers. And to me, that's a control thing. What do you think about that? Or does that even matter to you? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I think I think this. I think that. Um, there is a significant and substantial fear mm -hmm. that is harbored by some of the majority population. Mm -hmm. And that fear revolves around this country being controlled by a minority population that is not, that doesn't have the same hue of the epidermis mm -hmm. of the as the majority population. I mean, that's, that's the underlying fear. Mm -hmm. And, and I think there is a fear by some, not all, by some that, you know, perhaps if these people, and that's what they refer to us as sometimes, mm 
Mm-hmm. These people become the majority. You have two minorities becoming a majority in a democratic society. Then maybe they'll exact some retribution. Now, I think that's rather far-fetched. I've heard that in some conversation at the golf course yeah. where um, I play golf, you know, um, with um, with with Trumpers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I think I think that it is it is a viable theory, but I don't know that it has a lot attached to it. Mm. Um, I, I I'm further I'm further compelled to believe that when Donald Trump was elected and he has installed all of these um, right right wing judges, that was done for the purpose, in my opinion. Mm-hmm of maintaining somewhat of a judicial apartheid mm. for the next 50 years, perhaps, in this country. Because mm-hmm. a lot of those people, a lot of those people have philosophical approaches to the law that has no bearing and has no liking for a multicultural democracy. Mm. They just don't think that that can happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you look at the history of this country, there is some fear that you can you can rationalize that they have. Now, um, let's let, I, I don't want to go back to the beginning, but let's let's just start with the Civil War. After mm-hmm. the Civil War, you had this period called Reconstruction, where you know they were going to correct the original sin, mm-hmm. and um, and let's 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 deal with the South in this instance for this for this for the purpose of this discussion. Um, so blacks were able to vote. They were able to do the same things that white citizens were able to do after the Civil War, mm-hmm. after the 13th Amendment, after the 14th and 15th Amendment. But white men, Democratic white men, were extremely, extremely diff- um, um, mad at that. Mm-hmm. So much so that they in you know you 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 had the I, I don't want to say the invention but you had the rising of the KKK mm-hmm. and you look at for instance in 1868 now this is three years after the Civil War history will reflect what is called the Opelousa massacre mm-hmm. that occurred in Opelousa Louisiana mm-hmm. um, about 250 black people were killed by a white mob of former Confederate soldiers and um, KKK, or the Ku Klux Klan, Mm -hmm. simply because they feared that these black people were going to coalesce and vote Mm. and create havoc for them in terms of the governmental structure. Even more, even more, even more um, pervasive than that was uh, the first coup d'etat, first and only coup d'etat that has ever occurred in this country. In 1890, 1870, 1898, mm-hmm. the city of Wilmington, North Carolina, elected a biracial government. Um, and when I say biracial, you know, equal an equal number of black and white. Yes. The white, the white Southerners were so, and the white uh, people, uh, some of them in, in, um, in Wilmington was so upset about that, they actually 
burn down the local black newspaper, ran the guy, ran that editor out of town, and they went to the city hall. They killed about, I think, about 60 to 150 people, both black and white, mm. who were in who were there for the purpose of of of, of administering this government. Mm. And they installed themselves as white supremacists. <laughs> they installed themselves as the, as the government of Wilmington, North Carolina. Wow. Um, so mm. when, you, when you look at the history of this country, I think that they, they're not going to, you know, you, you can't do it that way now. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I don't think you can do it that way now. Well, I don't so know. What was this these... January 6th thing? I don't know. <laughs> well... You know, you 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 might be correct. <laughs> you're, you're probably correct. I think I think you can. I think you can. I think uh, you know what I stand correct. You can because these people are these. I mean, some of these people are just brazen and mm-hmm. bold, mm-hmm. and and they have always been that way when it comes to us. Oh yes. Always. Oh yes. 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 And I I don't understand it because it's not like we've really. done things which we could i mean if you think about it we could have done things um that would warrant the um them being very uh not apprehensive but being uh what's the word i'm looking for where they just they're on edge they don't know what we're gonna do you know we haven't done anything Mm -hmm. to uh cause that type of um uh worry <laughs> and all i could think is just a guilty conscience you know and it's you know even embedded because you know you have people that are century or you know se- decades or centuries removed uh that display this type of um this type of behavior and i don't know if it's being taught in the homes you know watch out for black folks or whatever i don't know cuz i'm not in their homes i just know that um i see a pattern of behaviors, but at the same time, I I hear this. Oh well, you know, uh, we, you know, we're 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 past all that. You know, we believe in equal everything for everybody. You know, we don't we shouldn't be you know be uh, reaching back to to slavery and and and, and addressing that because that's dead and gone. But yet the behaviors are still there. You you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, uh, I understand exactly what you're saying. But, you know, it's an inconvenient truth for mm-hmm. that. I mean, look, it's very, very strange, but then again, not so much to me, that you would criticize what they have said now, quote unquote, the critical race theory. Uh, And I don't understand how anybody can be against the truth. Mm. There should be be, um, a thirst for truth. Mm -hmm. And and if if you analyze this country in terms of all that is is supposed to be in terms of its judo, Christian heritage. Mm-hmm. What did Jesus say? The truth will set you free. Absolutely. Well, you know, I I guess not. I guess. I mean, these people don't want to be, don't want to know the truth. They have passed laws. Some of the Republican-controlled state legislatures have passed laws mm-hmm. indicating that you can't teach, you can't teach the truth. Yeah, they, they you can't. They passed that don't here in Texas about race <laughs> in this country. Yeah, no, you know. And, 
and I think I think I think I think my imp- my impression mm-hmm. as to what that is about. You look at this as I as I reflected on these um, um, protests during the summer after you know George Floyd killing mm-hmm. and other um, situations. Mm-hmm. What I reflected, what 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 I think gave them so much concern is: Did you look at the at the makeup mm-hmm. of those protesters? And they were, I would say, thirty, maybe even as much as forty percent young Caucasian, mm-hmm. and that that is going to be, in my opinion, an impetus for change. Hmm. in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And people like DeSantis and the governor of Oklahoma and these other Republicans, they don't want these young people to know what the truth... I mean, they just don't want the truth to be taught. Mm-hmm. How, mm-hmm. I, how how vile is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it kind of... What I realized is that, you know, because I, I mentioned just a, a few moments ago, that maybe they're being taught. But, you, you know, you think about, there was this, and, and it's on YouTube somewhere, and I don't recall, like, the person's, I just know some of the fine, some of the points of the case. So there was a white guy who was, um, he was going on subways, I think, and he was killing people, like stabbing them to death. And there was this mm-hmm. one black chick. That. Yeah. And uh, do you remember what happened mm-hmm. in the court? Because that's what I'm leading up to. They were in court and um, she had to testify. And and this was after George Floyd. He She had to testify against him. He was in court and um, she, she was on the stand and he just had this outburst and you know, we sh- I should have killed you. And, and then he said, George Floyd, George Floyd. And he's having this big outburst. And he's a big dude. Um, the judge didn't say a word. I mean, he's having this massive meltdown. And he's like almost charging her. It's, the judge doesn't say anything. The lady on the stand, the black chick, she begins to respond or retaliate, you know, verbally. And the judge tells her to be quiet. And or that she will hold her in contempt or something to that extent. And I'm thinking mm-hmm, and I'm mm-hmm. looking at this and I'm like, OK, wait a minute. And the way this man was talking, it's like he has been in training for this. Now, we hear about these militia groups and all these, you know, these secret groups that train out in, in you know, in these backwoods or whatever. But what's happening at the dinner tables? You know what I'm saying? Like, is this. Yeah even more pervasive or extreme than than we think you know because if you have you know have this kind of behavior that's infiltrated within uh but it's always been there but you know on the bench you have it you know within our our cops or you know our the people that are 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 supposed to protect and serve us you have it possibly in the fire department you have it in the hospital you have it in the it's like there is this training to keep this going you know, uh, to, to keep this mindset going. And yeah, some of these kids uh, are growing out of it because you have more, um, integrating, but you know, I, I, it's not that I'm hopeless. 
I'm just saying I see something that's brewing. I feel like there is a group of people that wants another civil war, but they want it to be a black and white war. And I'm not, I used to say that it never happened, but Mr. Brown, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not quite sure I believe that anymore. Just from what well, I've seen. Um, um, I, I, I hate to agree with you, but that is, that is a possibility. Mm-hmm. That is a distinct possibility. Um, I've seen a rise of hatred, um, even more so mm. in this country, um, than I care to admit in the last two to three years. Mm-hmm. You know, racism was never very far below the surface in this country. Mm-hmm. Never has been. Mm-hmm. And number 45 just um, took a match and lit yes. that, that, that kindle that was there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, 73 million or 70 million people voted for him. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember, I can't remember the lady's name, but there was a report recently from Homeland Security. And that report revolved around the fact that there were 10, there were 10 million people in this country that said that, you know, to bring about the changes that we need, meaning keep us keeping us in check, we might have to have an armed insurrection, mm. insurrection rather. Yeah, yeah. So now this, 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 the military, the police force, or no one else is equipped to deal with 10 million armed uh, Caucasian Americans, presumably, mm. confronting this government. I just don't think that, that uh, there'll be a capitulation. Mm-hmm. Now, I think what is going to happen, or at least I hope what is going to happen, is that there's going to be a decapitation of the head of that snake. Mm. And perhaps the body will die. Mm-hmm. I think the present Justice Department is on the right track in terms of sentencing and prosecuting and getting some very harsh sentencing for these people who led and participated and organized and conspired mm-hmm. in the insurrection, mm-hmm. in the treason. There wasn't, no, I mean, there was no, there was no visit this was no riot this was insurrection absolutely this was an insurrection they did what 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 the the confederate government of these united states could not do Mm -hmm. and that is storm the capital Mm -hmm. robert e lee tried to do it twice Mm -hmm. uh in 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 well he was going to do it had he won the battle of gettysburg or um the I, I think the other battle was uh, Sharpsville mm-hmm. uh, in Maryland. He had made an incursion into Maryland uh, to try to, you know, bring down the government in D.C. for the purpose of ending the Civil War and having the North mm-hmm. do for peace. But just think, they did what the Confederate States of America could not do. Mm-hmm. And the Republicans are refusing to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that that is scary. Yeah, um, that is scary. Yeah, it is. And, and I I never I mean I would hear this. I've heard this for 
Maybe the last, I'm going to be fair. Well, actually, since Obama was in office, to be honest, that's how long I've heard it. And I said, oh, no, that, that'll never happen. Uh, it'll never happen. But now um, I just, I just, I, I just don't know. I really don't. And I do see, I, I do see where, you know, this, this real young generation, I don't know what they call them, Gen Z or whatever, or, you know, it's not the millennials, but, you know, it's that generation under them. I see where they are, they're proactive. I just don't know if that's enough. You know, um, and I see, you know, I have friends that are of all persuasions, but it's just a mindset. And I see even with some of them, quite a few of them, actually, um, where, you know, I got to ask some questions. Like if if things came, if things got rough, can I even go to them? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Can I even look at them the same? Like, can I even and I'm being very honest when I say that. You know, I mean, I'm not, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, we, we're still friends, but I, I don't know, you know, is, is that a ride or die friend? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, very yeah. Honest. But yeah. I'm so glad you brought up the, um, the critical race theory angle, because I definitely wanted to talk about that because that it has, um, been, uh, passed in, in, in Texas where I'm where I am. And it's, it's just very interesting to me because, you know, I see it as a move because I do feel like, um, this country is going to have to address reparations. It's just, it's going to happen. And I think that that's yet another move to kind of a damper that conversation, you know, because, you know, Mm -hmm. if, you know, if this country was not founded on racist beliefs, how can we, you know, how can we, possibly have a claim for reparations based on races you know what i'm saying and i just i feel like that's what that they're using that as a tool to come against this reparations thing because it's gonna happen i more and more i see it and i think that's another part of this whole what i feel like this training with with some of you know these white people what has been because they don't want to address what has happened they don't want to um see any kind of financial repair for black black people or black descendants of, of slavery or whatever you want to call us they don't want to see that happen they don't want to give up any kind of control or power they don't want to give up any kind of land they don't want to do any of those things you know mm-hmm. um so you know, I think everything that's coming, you know, this whole and and I've heard the arguments on the other side where, you know, it's being used by people to keep us um, separated. And maybe uh-huh. that is maybe a little bit of that is going on. However, um, let's just let's just teach the truth. How about that? Let's just teach the truth. Forget about all these labels and this and that. Let's teach the truth. And if the truth exposes and shows that this has happened that this country which we already know we can look at you know the laws <laughs> and see that it's mm-hmm. been founded you know on you know based on race then let's call it what it is and let's address it how come we just can't do that you know well um that that's because it is not politically expedient yeah. i mean I, look i don't know what 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 
they are deciding, and I say they because it's not all white people, right. you know, those people, especially the politicians. I don't know what they're defining as critical race theory. Mm-hmm. I, I, I read something quite recently that um, gave a justification for not teaching it. Mm-hmm. And that, that justification, I think, and I don't want to be wrong in this. I don't want to attribute it to DeSantis, but it could could have been him. I don't remember who it was, but mm. they said, said that, well, we don't want young white children to feel mm-hmm. like they are responsible for this. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I mean, why is it that you think, no, I th- and the other thing was that it was going to hurt their development. Yeah. Now, Compare that, compare that to a young black person mm-hmm. being brought here mm-hmm. from Africa mm-hmm. on the plantation. Mm-hmm. The mother, because you know, when, when the mother had a child, the child was um, property also. Mm-hmm. When the slave mother had a child, that child was property of the owner. Yeah. Compare that. That 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 not hurting the feelings of the young uh, Caucasian child to a black mother in slavery having to part with her child mm. being sold, snatched from her arm and sold off to some yonder plantation. Mm-hmm. Compare that to a man not having a uh, being sold and his he doesn't see his wife or mm. his children again. Mm-hmm. Compare that to to these these um, black people who were who were uh, uh, um, who came under the convict leasing system mm. and participated in these forced to participate in these gladiator type games mm. at, um, at the behest of the plantation owners and mm-hmm. the and the mining companies. You know that, that that is to me that is so so nonsensical. Mm-hmm. The truth. All you need to do is teach the truth. Absolutely. I'm reminded. I'm reminded of the phrase by Jack Nicholson in the movie A Few Good Men, <laughs> and he <know>. said, <laughs> "You you can't handle the truth. truth. <laughs> you can't handle the truth." Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what what these politicians are defining as a critical race theory. Mm-hmm. My position is, uh, if if you are to be true to history, mm-hmm. then you have to teach the truth. Absolutely. And the history of this country, as unpleasant and as vile mm-hmm. and as evil as it was to African American, Native mm-hmm. American. Mm-hmm. The indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, you still have to teach the truth. You know, it doesn't even matter. That's why you know I brought up the labels. It doesn't matter what they claim uh, or they uh, uh, define critical race theory as. That doesn't matter. I, you know, I can care less. You can, you know, take that and throw it in the trash. Just mm-hmm. tell the truth. Period. Like you say, just I can teach live the with truth. that. I yeah. can live with that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't care about that. Just like, you know, we have this whole, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter thing. And, you know, I have so many people um, 
that are around my circle, some of them are in my circle, you know, that are white and they, well, I can't get with Black Lives Matter because of the politics. Who's even talking about that? I'm talking about the sentiment, the sentiment, Black Lives Matter. How come you can't get behind that? Who cares about the the politics? We're, We're not even discussing that. You know, we're discussing how, how is it that you don't have an emotion when, you know, yet another black man or even black woman, for that matter, is killed in, in the streets, you know, senseless. And then you claim or you, you always bring up, uh, well, what about Chicago? That's a whole that we're not talking about criminal activity, which I, I have an argument for that. We are talking about people who are. Uh, who have been uh, hired to protect and serve the public and they are violating laws. They are killing people. How is it that you don't have a, a, a feeling or an emotion about that, but you can watch a dog be, you know, God forbid, but you can watch a dog be uh, a torture and you have PTSD. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had a lady that she went off. Now, look, okay, I don't have any. I don't have any pets. I didn't grow up with pets. I don't. I like animals from afar. I don't like animals around me. That's just my personal preference. However, I don't like anything to to be harmed or to suffer to be misused. I don't. I don't like that. Right. I had a um, a friend of mine, and I don't even know how the conversation came up, but this is right around the time when Michael Vick, when he was, I guess he was convicted of uh, animal mm-hmm. cruelty, yeah. and she was, oh my God, they should just, you know, they should, basically, they should just take his life. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I look at her, and I'm like, you know, yeah, um, we're we're not even going to talk about, you know, maybe cultural things that maybe he grew up with. I don't know. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, but what about what about when you see some of these things that are happening to your your brothers and sisters? Um, I'm just saying for me, that weighs more and I have more of a reaction to that as opposed to these dogs. Lord forbid. And she just couldn't, she couldn't get it. And that was something very real. That was a real, and that's what started, got me to thinking that, wait a minute. Um, it's something, I don't know if it's ingrained. I don't know where it actually I do, but that's a whole nother topic. We not going to get into it, but it's like, they really, some of them see us as less than for real. And that's why that slogan Black Lives Matter matters because they really do see we're, us lower than we're, animals. <laughs> well, if you if you if you look at the history of the country, um, that that falls right in. With yeah, that thought process. Um, yeah, we were chattel. Our ancestors oh, yeah. were chattel. Yeah, Thomas Jefferson. I'm sorry, not Thomas Jefferson. George Washington, the first president mm-hmm. of these United States, when he was putting in his order for slaves mm-hmm. to be brought from Africa, he said specifically, I need those who are not feeble mm-hmm. in mind, who are who are brawn, mm-hmm. who are who have good limbs and strong backs. 
Mm-hmm. And you're talking about a human being. Lord have mercy. So, mm. you know, that, that, that mindset that we are less than animals plays right in. Mm-hmm. And I would say comes from the, the, the history of this country. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, it, it, it always, it has always been very, very troubling to me <laughs> that you can try to forget what was done to us mm. and moving forward and say, well, you know, that doesn't matter. I didn't participate in that. Hmm. Well, we didn't. Mm. But this country owes us, and I don't know what form the reparation is going to take, mm-hmm. but reparation is certainly in the future. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it has to occur. When you look at, when you look at the wealth of this country, Mm-hmm. It was built on our back. Absolutely. And you know, let me let me let me let me go one step further. As you know, um, well, maybe you don't know. I I did I do I did not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. A lot of employment discrimination law. I mean, a plethora of them. Mm. And to a case that I've had, where I've done a comparative analysis of two people, one white, one black having the same job, mm-hmm. it is, I, I have never had a situation where I've represented the, um, the black person where they're being paid at the same rate as the Caucasian person, notwithstanding the fact that they may have more experience, more time in grade. Mm-hmm. That is discrimination also. It is not discrimination in terms of someone beating you, mm-hmm. or in terms of someone putting you in bondage, but it is certainly economic discrimination because you are exploiting me for what I know, and you're getting you're, you're getting that at a cheaper rate as opposed to my white counterpart, who, in most instances, I have trained and know less than me. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> you know, it. It. I mean, um, uh, this thing about us being animals falls right in with the history of this country. Yeah. Right in. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. I. At this point, I, you know, I don't even know. I mean, I have. We. You know, I have these talks, and I. You know, I have a. I have a purpose for having them, but then I also want to be proactive or I want, you know, you know, how do you move forward? And honestly and truly there are some days like today, I really just don't have the answer. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just, um, you know, I look at, and it's not that I'm hopeless and I don't want to give that out. I'm just saying, I don't know, you know, what to do because it's so, the problem is so ingrained in everything. And then when you have a group of people, that don't, or some of the group of people that don't even want to acknowledge, you know, or not even acknowledge, they don't even want to study or, you know, or learn. They don't want to hear at all. And so then people like me are like, well, what do you do? I mean, what do you do other than just to continue to live life? But this can't continue. You can't continue to be, um, at at this pressure state, mm-hmm. th- this doesn't work. You know, it's it's not well, going to work. 
I think that I, I don't know how religious you are, or and I'm not certainly not here to um, to talk about anyone's religion. But mm-hmm. I, I I gave uh, I was asked to speak a mm-hmm. couple years ago at the Martin Luther King Award or celebration mm-hmm. in Jackson, Mississippi, and I wrote um, a speech. And in that speech, I said that I firmly believe based on where we've been and where we've come from, that there is a divine, Mm. special place and relationship for us Mm -hmm. in saving this democracy. Mm. I still believe that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know where that's going to come from. I don't know what form that is going to take. But when you think about all that we have been through, I'm reminded of the words, of the poet Maya Angelou, yet again, we rise, mm. yet again, mm. I rise, yet again. Um, what other people on this earth have suffered the indignities, the inhumanities that we've suffered, mm-hmm. and we're still, we're still here? Mm-hmm. Mm. So I have to, I have to. Um, believe that there is a place for us yeah. in which we will do very good. Now, I don't know that the Civil War that they talk about will not happen. I doubt that. But, you know, you have to think about it. Mm-hmm. This, this, is, this country is the most armed country. I mean, the citizens of this We have more armed in this country mm-hmm. than any other country in the world. Yeah. It doesn't take an AK-47 or AK, AKA-15 to shoot a deer. Yeah. Those are weapons of war. Yeah. And they have been, they have been, um, been some people in the majority culture have been hoarding those weapons. And you, you have to think, well, that's for a reason. Yeah. You go to the, to the ammunition store now just to buy some ammunition for your weapon and you can't find it. You can buy the weapon but you can't get the ammunition. Mm, mm, mm. Listen, um, you know, I I would definitely talk to you more about it. I want you, can you, can you, I want you to, because I want to talk more about some of the other chapters, but I want to do this because I know that, you know, you got things going on. And I want. What do I have going on? Well, I, okay, I don't. I assume you have things going on. Let me put it that way. <laughs> okay, okay. No, the only thing, the only thing I have going on now of mm. any substance is that I'm working on volume two. Okay. Okay. And I don't do that every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that when you know the thought comes and I have to jump on it or get on it right then and there. Yeah. Um, but I, I think in answer in in answering your my, my anticipation of your question, I'm answering your anticipated question. I'll come back whenever you want me to. Well, uh, is next week too soon? <laughs> next week is not too soon. Okay. How about this time next week? I'm very serious. Um, because listen, I'm, let me... I'm, I'm I'm very serious too. Okay. Well, let me just say this because it's very it's very um rare. Usually, I I try to be if I, well I do see myself as being a realist, but I try to be uh, optimistic most of the time, and and it's not even that I'm being 
um, def- uh, defeatist or anything like that. It's just sometimes when I, I, I start to read things and I start to think about things for a moment, it becomes a little bit overwhelming. But I do want to, uh, yeah, because it's just, I guess my I mind cannot, I, you know, I it's still hard for me to grapple with the amount of evil that's in the world. And I'm just evil just in general. And then how we, you know, latch on to it, you know, just people, how we latch on to it, you know, because we because of of a perceived uh, power that we we think we're going to get or or money or whatever. And it's sometimes it's just, you know, it hits my overload button. So that's kind of where I'm at mm-hmm. today. <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I do believe that, um, you, you, I do believe in God and I do believe that he has a purpose and a plan for everything and that this thing will be dealt with the way he wants it to be dealt with. So I absolutely believe that. I just had a moment of, of being overloaded, short circuited. <laughs> well, you know, don't, don't don't feel alone in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, in my practice, there were days, and I say this in the book, mm-hmm. there were days that I felt overwhelmed mm-hmm. because I didn't think that I had done enough mm. to try to end systemic racism. Yeah, but I can't. I can't. Nor did I. I couldn't. Nor did I language in those feelings because I knew the work had to continue. I had to go on. Yes. And I did, you know. Yeah. Well, I absolutely thank you for um, what you've done and what you continue to do and, and the books. And I'm definitely, I'll probably just, um, just take a break and go and check my PO box and get, get the hard copy. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I definitely, I want to talk about, because I, I really wanted to talk about, um, the Cummings case. So can we talk Mm -hmm. about that next week? We certainly can. Oh, yes. I would, I would love to talk about the Cummings case. That was, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a hard, that was hard for me because I just, uh, yeah, we we got some money. We got the, Mm -hmm. the, the, the civil, I mean, the, uh, Wrongful. We got wrongful death money, but mm-hmm. there was a, and that was way before we had these cameras and cell phones where you could take pictures. Mm. That was a that was a, a, a horrendous case. But in yeah. any event, yeah. that'll be that'll be our subject matter next week. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, tell us again. You we can get the book on your website. I'm gonna make sure I include it in uh, in the show notes again, and also on Amazon. Correct. Yes, but it's much easier um, to get it from my website. And here's what the website is, uh, mm-hmm. com. You click on that, mm-hmm. and it's the directions as to how to order the book will be um, given to you. Okay. And the book is normally, you normally get the book within... In five to seven business days after you order it. Okay. Okay. I will definitely make sure that that you know our listening family has that information. And guys, if y'all get the book before um, we get to um, next week's uh, top, well, it's probably because I record it and then it 
if there is a week, but I think I'm going to speed these up so that, because I want you to, I want you to come back and I want to get through almost all these chapters leading up to volume two. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So, um, but yeah, you guys, y'all get the book. Uh, make sure that you read the book and make sure that you read, uh, in particular, The Cummings Case, Chapter 10, because that's what we are going to talk about uh, next week. <laughs> so, you right. guys will, y'all have some knowledge about it. But yeah, I was, that was actually the whole book, every chapter. I'm like, hmm. Wait a minute! Oh God. <laughs> um, okay. The the the, the one the, the other thing I need to say. Yes. Um, when, when you go to that website, go to the um, the search bar mm, and click on. You go on the regular internet. Yeah. Go to the search bar and then type that in. Oh, okay. Okay. Go to the search bar. Go to the search bar. Then type in www dot Edward. Brown esq dot com all lowercase letters right okay okay all right okay we will do that and thank you so much Mr Brown um yeah as you know I'm getting thank ready to have you for lunch. having me <laughs> absolutely I'm having lunch and I'm hoping that um your day goes well today well I'm headed to the courtroom um to raise a little more hell uh, hey I, I I said. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, right. Mr. Brown. Take care. All right. You have a good day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This week in Black Renaissance, I would like to share another first that African-Americans are experiencing uh, in the ways of advancement for our communities. At just 36 years old, Dr. Sidney Freeman Jr. has made history becoming the first black man promoted to a full professor at the University of Idaho. Okay, several things there. One, I find it a little interesting that his last name is Freeman. Two, um, that he's the first black man promoted to full professor at University of Idaho. Three, I'm sure there are more surprises um, in store as I get through this this article. So let's 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 move down. Let's move on. Typically, it takes faculty members about ten to twelve years to become a full professor at the university. But Freeman achieved the title in just five years and seven months after graduating from Auburn University in 2011 with a degree in higher education administration Freeman worked as the director in the teaching and learning center at Tuskegee University for three years he entered the University of Idaho as an associate professor on the tenure track and took to Twitter in March to share the big news on his on his historical promotion number three whatever we do Wherever we, whatever we put our hands on, put our minds to, we always excel. Now, as the article states, it's you. The average person takes ten to twelve years to reach full professor at that particular university. This man achieved it in five years and a little over a little over five and a half years, which is remarkable. And it's also at a the flagship the re, it's uh let me let me get the title right because it's not just um that is the University of Idaho 
but I read that, let's see, it's also the flagship of, of research um, institutions. Let's see, I want to get it correct. Give me, let's see, where is it? Where is it? Give me a moment, folks, because I want to get this right. Let's see. Da 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 da. A dee da dee da dee. A do da do da do. Yeah, here we go. All right. <clears throat> so, in just five and a half years, he was promoted to the rank of full professor at the university, which is the state's flagship research university. So it wasn't just, I mean, you know, I like to believe that a quality education can be had, I hope, at most, if not all universities. That I'm sure that is their goal. There is their you know their purpose that's their vision that's their mission right but then you have certain universities that um they set the standard right and so this is a top level research university so the academics are going to be a little more uh they're going to be a little more uh challenging it's going to be you know it's going to be a little more competitive uh you know, because you're at a, you know, I don't think that it is a, it's definitely a top tier, but it's, it's not Ivy League, but it is a top tier school. And so the fact that he has <laughs> made it into, uh, made it to full professor in half the time at a top tier school is nothing short of remarkable. But as I started to state, or so, started to say that we, whatever we put our hands on or our minds to or wherever we walk we always advance and and we always achieve the highest level we always you know uh, do things better and mainly because of how many of us have been raised and been taught and been trained that we have to be twice as good to get half of what the average person gets so of course you know we're gonna just naturally do and you know this is i'm not speaking against any other people i am just promoting and uplifting and celebrating my people right now so because we have that mindset and many of us many of us in our communities are taught that and because of that we are it, it's almost impossible for us to exist at the average level and when we are you can <laughs> when we pull back the layers and we examine why we are ranked average or below average in a, a certain thing a certain um position or on a team or anything like that or any type of job or performance if we are average or below it's usually because there is something manipulative going on <laughs> and that's just the way it is so i applaud my brother dr sydney freeman let's get it right doctor and freeman we we applaud you um we thank you for your efforts um for um you know, and he recognizes it i mean he tweets out that you know that he recognizes that he's the first African-American, African descendants of slaves. He added that uh, to be promoted into that type of position. 
and uh, you know so he he rec- recognizes the gravity of the weight of of uh of his responsibility and you know i i applaud him again and you know it, it the article goes on to say that african americans make up i think it said like five percent of the full professors positions in uh the u.s universities and you know that's i mean i know that we have a small representation in this in this country i think we represent about 13 almost 14 percent uh but it you know it says we make up only five percent of all the full-time faculty members so that's not even that's not even tenured you know uh that's or or full or uh full professors right it says full-time faculty members so you know they could be associate professors you know um (laughs) i just find that very interesting but you know what um we're going to continue to advance we're going to continue to um carve out our position in all of these different spaces and this has been a moment in black renaissance That was Mr. Brown, Mr. Edward Brown Esquire. I love these conversations with him. Um, you know, just somebody who's out there, still in the, he's semi-retired, and he's still out there, you know, in the trenches doing the work. And, you know, today is just, I don't know if it's the weather, I don't know if it's just the Monday blues, but, you know, sometimes, you know, you you get to a point to where it's like, is there anything that can be done and I'm so glad that you know he responded the way he did and remind reminded me that there's a spiritual element to this thing as well and we need to make sure that we are paying attention to that so anyway make sure you guys have subscribed to the podcast make sure that you like and share with a friend make sure that if you want to reach out to us that you uh connect with us via facebook or instagram or both at natural soul conversations or in soul conversations you can also reach us via email at in conversations at gmail.com or in soul conversations at gmail.com make sure you rate us wherever rating is permitted right now i know the apple podcast allows ratings i'm not sure about the other platforms but please make sure that you give us a five star because anything less than that is not going to help us to become more visible to new listeners. And that's the whole point is to be visible to the new listeners so that they can partake in this content just like you. Um, make sure that uh, you check out the website. There's a way to support financially. We still need support. So please make sure that you check that out and just you know, think about and pray about the ways that you can help us financially. And there'll be a way for you to do that um, on the website. So check it out. And listen, until we uh, meet again, make sure you keep the conversations going. <laughs>